The Public News Service Daily Newscast for January the 7th, 2022. I'm Mike Clifford. At a candlelight vigil in Charleston last night, commemorating the one-year anniversary of the Wyatt at the U.S. Capitol, attendees asked that West Virginia's elected leaders take steps to protect and expand voting rights before the 2022 midterm elections. Former Democratic West Virginia Secretary of State Natalie Tennant says the Federal Freedom to Vote Act would mandate early voting periods and same-day registration, make Election Day a holiday, address challenges for voters with disabilities, and other reforms that Tennant says would help more people cast their ballots. Much of what is presented in the bill is modeled off of what West Virginia is doing. At the same time, there is a need for what's in the Freedom to Vote Act because we're such a rural state. She adds many West Virginians lack reliable transportation, which affects their ability to get to a polling place twice to register and then vote. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said the Senate will continue to pursue voting rights legislation and could potentially vote on changing Senate rules in order to do so by the end of this month. Nadia Ramlagan reporting. West Virginia holds its primary election on May the 10th and the general election on November the 8th. Meantime, Reuters reports President Joe Biden Thursday accused his predecessor, Donald Trump, of spreading a web of lies to undermine U.S. democracy in a speech on the anniversary of the Capitol attack. Speaking at the White Dome building where rioters smashed windows, assaulted police, and sent lawmakers fleeing for their lives, Biden said Trump's false claims that the election was stolen from him could unravel the rule of law and subvert future elections. Reuters says as for why Trump may have spread the web of lies, they quote Biden as saying he's done so because he values power over principle. He can't accept he lost. And a new lawsuit asked the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to intervene in creating a new congressional district map for the Commonwealth as concerns grow that the legislature and governor won't be able to reach an agreement in time for the 2022 primary. In the case, the Public Interest Law Center is representing leaders of Common Cause Pennsylvania, Fair Districts PA, and the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania. Ben Geffen with the center says it's about trying to avoid the mistakes of the 2011 congressional maps, which were thrown out by the state Supreme Court in 2018 due to partisan gerrymandering. It set a precedent for the first time saying that it is a violation of the Pennsylvania Constitution to draw a map in order to benefit one party or another party. It's an opportunity for Pennsylvania to get the map right in the first instance. I'm Emily Scott. This is PNS. As the U.S. Supreme Court deliberates the latest challenge to Roe v. Wade, new abortion laws are already in the works ahead of Florida's upcoming legislative session. Encouraged by possible federal changes, conservatives are moving full speed ahead in the State House with proposals like House Bill 167. It would require doctors to conduct a test and inform a pregnant person of a heartbeat. Lillian Tamayo, who recently announced her retirement from Planned Parenthood of South, East, and North Florida after 22 years, said on the Sunrise podcast, she's going into her final legislative session ready to fight. Doubling down 
on all the effort of assuring that we continue to provide uh, health care to our patients to keep our doors open. The Texas-style heartbeat bill is sponsored by Republican Representative Webster Barnaby of Deltona. It would also allow people to sue physicians, clinics, and anyone who helps someone else obtain an abortion. Florida's 60-day legislative session begins Tuesday. I'm Tremel Gomes. So far, GOP lawmakers have not signaled much support for the Texas-style abortion law. Democratic Governor Andy Beshear spoke before a joint session of the Kentucky House and Senate this week in his third Commonwealth Address. After a year of historic flooding, tornadoes, and other natural disasters on top of the pandemic, the governor said his budget, which he'll reveal next week, is focused on bolstering communities. It'll invest in our essential workers, like our Kentucky State Police, our nurses, our teachers, to ensure we can not only recruit, but retain these critical jobs. Finally, our Michaela Savitt tells us a new law in the books in New York establishes the most comprehensive drinking water testing and notification program in the nation for PFAS, the substances known as Forever Chemicals. Rob Hayes with Environmental Advocates New York says every water utility across the state will have to test for the nearly two dozen toxic chemicals on the state's first list of emerging contaminants. He says notifications will be sent to the public if unsafe levels are detected in drinking water. New Yorkers are about to finally find out what's in their water and if they're being exposed to toxic PFAS chemicals. We're going to see testing hopefully starting this year, and then there will be regular testing happening for new contaminants every so often after that. Under the law, the New York Department of Health must update the list of emerging contaminants at least every three years. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for starting your day with Public News Service member and listener-supported Heard on radio stations, big and small, find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org.